Stay on top of all meaningful top trending stories right here on SAFM. Leading the conversation. South Africa was forced to overpay for vaccines, paying 33% more than the African Union price for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and paying the Serum Institute of India 2.5 times more for a generic version of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine compared to the United Kingdom. This has been revealed after important and significant litigation has been meted out against the state that forced them to make these contracts public, which they had kept private previously. We also learned that $1.8 billion was an upfront guarantee payment that uh, South Africa had to pay Johnson & Johnson uh, for some of these vaccines, uh, with payment liabilities going up to $734 million U.S. million. That's about $1.4 trillion rand. The group analysis argues that South Africa's sovereignty was compromised in this instance because none of these contracts were signed under the jurisdiction of South African law. Fatima Hassan, who is uh, with the who is the director and founder of the Health Justice Initiative, joins me this morning. Fatima, why is a contract signed in a different domicile a threat to our sovereignty? So, hi Oliver, and thanks for having us on the show. What the analysis has shown is that the different companies, even though they may be legally registered in other parts of the world. Um, also use different jurisdictions for the resolution of disputes or if there was uh, an arbitration proceeding. So, for example, a company that may be registered in Belgium and has offices in the US as well chose the laws of England and Wales for arbitration. So different multinational pharmaceutical companies usually choose different uh, jurisdictions for, for the resolution of those disputes. But be that as it may, uh, you know, our courts heard the matter uh, because it wasn't a dispute between the parties. It was uh, an access information request from an NGO to our government using our law. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, the, the group analysis reveal that, uh, or at least argue that the contracts were punitive and one-sided. Describe to us what that means. So when we talk about punitive and one-sided, what we mean is that all the power really was retained by the pharmaceutical companies. If you look at the terms and conditions, and we've done a detailed analysis of over 50 pages of the four contracts and agreements that were handed over by the state to our lawyers last week on Thursday night. Um, and in that analysis, what our multidisciplinary group, which is made up of lawyers, of academics, of researchers, of activists who have uh, familiarity with uh, pharmaceutical procurement contracts, sort of studied all of the different clauses. Uh, some of them are uh, different from each other. Some of them are similar to each other. But the conditions and the terms are unusually punitive. And we say that because it creates uh, a situation where the company said to our government, yeah, maybe we'll provide you supplies, but maybe not. Uh, and even if we don't, you'll have to return a portion of the advance payment that you make. You'll have no control over donations or onward sale. We can withhold our consent. You've got to create a very rapid vaccine injury fund and you've got to underwrite it. And if you don't, we won't deliver a single vaccine to you. This is the price that you must pay. No negotiation, no, you know, no further discussion about that. Maybe we'll change the, the price later if we have a not-for-profit framework. Maybe not, but we won't share that framework with with you. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of the provisions, uh, particularly uh, to us, are very one sided and very paternalistic. I think the worst provision that we found, and this was, remember, uh, 
uh, on the back of a story of the New York Times about two years ago when we were waiting for vaccine supplies, we can confirm that there is a clause in the agreement for Johnson & Johnson which basically restricts the South African government from imposing any export limits. Now, this was at a time when the US government, the EU, the Indian government were all imposing export bans so that supplies filled and finished in their countries were made available there and you know, they weren't allowed to be exported. So Johnson & Johnson extracted a concession from our government if they didn't agree to that particular clause around the exports, which would allow them to send about 30 million of vaccines to Europe when South Africa really was needed those vaccines and were waiting for those vaccines. They basically said to our government that if you don't agree to this, then you know we're not going to supply you with any with any vaccines, yeah. and you must wait. You yeah. you go to the back of the queue. So the contracts are one sided in that it says to South Africa, go to the back of the queue and wait there. Yeah, but put a lot of money on the table. I certainly want to study these contracts, and I will spend some time going through it with great detail to make sense of it myself as well. They're available on your website. Can you just uh, give us that URL? Yes. The Health Justice Initiative website has all the contracts. We've made them available as well as the analysis. Uh, you know, I should add, uh, Oliver, the other aspect about these contracts being one-sided is they provide no supply certainty or volume guarantees. Yeah. So it really was, you know, the, the way in which... the. Yeah. And and then on top of that, I think the, the, the second most egregious provisions were the confidentiality agreements, which just demanded broad secrecy and, you know, no transparency. And that is what we've, uh, you know, basically challenged through this court action that we've actually uh, lifted those confidentiality agreements now. Yep. Fatima Hassan, thank you so much for your time this morning. Really, really do appreciate it. Rob Byrne has your traffic.